So true. So true. All right, turn with me to 2 Samuel um, chapter 19. Um, here's our, um, find my switcher. So Absalom has died. Absalom, you remember, uh, led, um, captured the kingdom, rallied the people. David has fled um, with his entourage of people. And we get to 19. Um, the king is, uh, David is mourning the loss of his son. And if you've ever known anybody that's lost a son, which we have here at Otter Creek, um, it's, it's terrible. I mean, it's just consuming. And David reflects that. Um, so Joab, who headed the army, is told the king is weeping and he's mourning Absalom. The victory of that day was turned into mourning for all the people because the king is grieving his son. So the people sneak into the city as opposed to coming back with celebration at the time. The king has covered his face and is crying out in a loud voice, and this is getting reported to people. Um, and then Joab, head of the army, um, marches into the king and says, get up. Uh, I don't know how else to say that better in good English. He said, get up, get dressed, you got a job to do. And he says, here's the accusation, accusation, accusation. He, he le levels at him. He says, um, in verse 6, let me see if I can find it right. I skipped down. Yeah, starting end of verse 5, beginning of verse 6. You are loving those who have hated you. Absalom and his army was trying to kill David. You have loved those who are hating you, and you are hating those who have loved you and tried to save your life. And so he says, you've shown today that the princes and the servants are nothing to you. So therefore, verse 7, get up. Go out. Speak encouragement to the people. You have a job to do as king. Um, and Joab says it to him. And he does. He gets up. He gets dressed. Goes out and sits by the gate and begins encouraging the people. The people respond to that. Once they hear he's at the gate, they come to meet him. Um, and we have David come back. It says, uh, my mind says, um, verse 7 says, Go out and speak kindly to your servants. But my footnote says, literally it says, to their heart. Go speak to how they're feeling and their heart um, at that point in time. Um, these people saved your life. All right, let me stop. Thoughts? This had to be hard for David. I mean, David was consumed. He was his son. He, um, yeah, but I think this uh, people in authority, when you when you're in a position of a lot of responsibility, you do need somebody who can privately tell you where it, where it is. Yeah, privately. Yeah, keep you grounded. Yep. And uh, here David is, uh, even though he might he can't totally uh, get over his grief. He's got a bigger job to do. The job was bigger than him, personally. Yeah. So Joab, being a family member, a confidant, um, 
strong, strong of, yeah, shook him. You need, you need to be shaken. So yeah, he shook him. Let's get back to reality here. you got a job to do. Come on, get over it. Let's go. Other thoughts? It seems like these, all three of these chapters are about loyalty. To me, you know, who was loyal to him from the beginning all the way through the hard times to now, and then others who weren't, who changed their mind and, you know, and are dealt with accordingly at some point. A lot of loyalty that's in this There is a lot of loyalty here about whether you stuck with David or not, whether you're willing to um, throw in with him, travel with him. I mean, we'll see that here as the king comes back. I mean, one of the people was a, he cursed David that comes back to greet him. There's the son of Jonathan that comes back to greet him who didn't go with him. And David asks him, what? Why didn't you go with me? And so I do think it's loyalty. I think it's um, who could David count on and was on his side all this. Terry, can't you also take it? We're children of God, and, and we do wrong things. But just as David mourned a son who tried to take over from him, just think how God mourns when we, when we sin and yet the yeah, there's probably a, um, we, we, two weeks ago um, I tried to teach you how to read like a Puritan, but uh, there's probably a good Puritan sermon in there in that David um, longed to be reconciled to his son and now he's gone. And I will never get the chance to be reconciled. I mean, I can hear Jonathan Edwards. Um, just picking up on that theme of the king and the son and the lost opportunity to be reconciled. I mean, I think there's a lot there, a lot like God in us, um, his longing for us, etc. Yeah. Harry, all through the book, Joab gets away with things other people might not. He takes a lot on himself. He sure does. And gets away with it. Yeah. And I was really surprised that he was willing to listen to the wise woman. That was kind of a different side of his character instead of just going in full force. It is. Joab is a, um, I mean, you'll see here in a minute, he gets demoted. You know, for his behavior, he gets taken out of a leadership role, but it doesn't stop him. (laughs) It didn't bother him at all. He just kept going, marched right back in, but he listened to this woman off off the wall. I don't know if he was convinced, if he said, aha, I mean, I don't know what happened. We don't know, but um, he is a, a confidant of David so that he can listen to him here, but um, he's probably tough to deal with. He's a warrior. He's a warrior. He's a warrior. Yep. All right, other thoughts on Absalom. Let's go, uh, let's bring the king back. We're now in verse 8 of, of chapter 19. Um, David's sitting at the gate. The people are starting to debate. They said, look, the king's at the gate. Let's go see him. Uh, people start quarreling in verse 9. Um, some, verses say, uh, some versions will say debating, um, saying things like the king has. He has delivered us from our enemies. He has saved us. 
he has, and then he had to leave, let's bring him back. And so there's a debate in the public marketplace going on right here. Um, I know, I know Absalom was anointed over us, um, but he's died in battle. Come on, let's bring him back. This all makes sense. And so that's what, where we are here in the middle of 19 is the debate around Absalom's dead. Um, we need our king back. And so the question is, do we bring him back across the Jordan? Do we bring him back as our king? Do we give him the reins of the kingdom again at this point? And here's what David did. Now, David is, um, I hope you have seen as you've read through 2 Samuel, is a smart politician. So the first thing is he did is, um, in verse 11, he sent Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, to the elders of Judah. He wants them to go lobby them. He wants them to go persuade them um, to bring him back, to get the people back in line with reuniting Israel, not Judah and Israel, but a, a unified Israel at this point. Um, and they make an argument that says, why are you the last ones to bring him back? In verse 11, why are, what, why are you, what are you waiting for? Verse 12, David says, tell him this, you're my brothers, you're my bone and my flesh. What are you waiting on? And then the second thing um, David does is he appoints Amasa to be a key member of Absalom's group um, to be the, his commander. He's trying to build bridges back now um, with Judah and those who served against him uh, and so, therefore, he demotes Joab. Now, why did he demote Joab, probably? He killed Absalom. He killed Absalom. Yeah. And so, David is just not reconciled with Joab. So, he demotes him. Um, even though it was in service to him and protection to him, he demotes Joab and, um, and puts Amasa in his place uh, as head of his forces. Um, for, I guess, insubordination, we'd call it today. I mean, he just said, you know, I told you to protect him. You w went out yourself and killed him. It's hanging in a tree, and you did it, and so, um, So, okay, so David gets invited to come back to Jerusalem. And then we get this parade of characters. I think I've got them on here. Yep, here's my parade of characters. The first one we learn about starts in verse 16 of chapter 19. Um, Shimei, I'm not sure how. This is the same guy that as David was leaving, stood by the side of the road and cursed him. I mean, was, was shouting curses at David as he left town. Um, during this whole rebellion. You what? That's right, he's throwing stuff at him. And, some, and somebody says to David, let me kill that guy. David says, no, for all I know, God's appointed him. You know, I need to hear this. And so off he goes. And so he is, um, and sh 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 I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, Sam brings a crowd with him. In fact, it says they went in the river. So they went and helped him bring stuff across the river. He is, he knows he's in trouble. I mean, you know, he knows what he did. He's going to be asking for forgiveness here in a little bit. 
So he's here. Can I help you with that? Let me carry this trunk for you. And he's bringing people back in. And then he says the phrase I really like. Um, He says, please don't remember. Verse 19, Sam says to the king, let not my Lord consider me guilty. Do not remember what your servant did wrong on the day when you came out of Jerusalem. And don't take it to heart. And so he's asking for forgiveness. He's saying to the king, please, just, I want you to blot out my transgressions at this point. And he bows down before the king. Um, and at that point, Zer- I won't pronounce that one either, Zeriah, where it is, uh, verse 21, um, or, or Abishai says, the son of Zeriah says, Uh, Shouldn't he be killed because he cursed the Lord's anointed? And David says, I'll summarize this, not not today. He says this is a good day. It's a day of celebration. I don't know, I don't want to mess up today. I'm coming back. The people are getting together. Um, It's a good day. Now, we'll talk about this maybe a little next week, if you go over to um, 1 Kings 2, etc., he gets his comeuppance. David says to, Sam, to, Saul, I mean to uh, Solomon, he says, you'll know what to do. And so he gets it. It's just not today. Today is a day of, of coming home. It's a day of victory. So here's the first, first one that's described for us as part of the party that's bringing David um, across the river. And he says um, the phrase, uh, please don't remember what I did. Um, the second one is uh, Mephiboseth. Uh, he's the grandson of Saul, the son of Jonathan. And remember, David's made a covenant with him. He's made a promise that he will take care of him. Um, he, this man is in mourning. He's described as just a mess. Um, his, he says he's not taking care of his feet. Um, his mustache is overgrown. His clothes, he describes as saying, I have not bathed or washed my clothes since the king left, since David left. Um, So he's really in mourning. And so David asks the question. David says, why didn't you come with me? You know, I've made a promise to you. You and I, I got a commitment. We got a covenant with each other. And he says, I was deceived by my servant. He lied to me. He said he was going to go get a donkey and I was going to ride and it didn't happen. And, And there's a good chance the servant told David what got him in trouble to help himself. I mean, there's probably some back story going on here that we don't have right here. So this is the second one. And the phrase I like about him is, um, he says, I'll give you all your stuff back. Um, and then, but he goes on to say, um, he says, just let me eat at your table. The fact that you're coming home um, is all I want. I don't want any more. Um, so he just wants to be, stay with the king at this point. And the third one is Barzillai. Now he provided things for David. As David was leaving, he was, he was chipping in. 
he was saying, look, you, got, you need supplies, you need carts, you need, I don't know what all's on the list, but he was taking care of them. And he was providing them the resources David was going to need to be able to survive during that time. Uh, and so David says, I'm grateful. Come live with me in Jerusalem. You can eat at my table. You can enjoy the court. And his response is, you know, there is nothing for an old man in your court. The man's 80 years old. He said, I don't do the parties anymore. I don't, I mean, he didn't make a list. But, you know, it's like this just isn't my place. But then he gives him a name, Shimam. He says, but here's my servant, Shimam. And we learn later, back down in Jeremiah, that uh, Shimam has uh, property. So in all likelihood, David made good on his promise. You know, he ended up with a place. It was called, we get a phrase, I forget the first phrase, but it meant the city of Shimam. It's, he's, got a, he's got a territory. And so David took care of him. All right, so let me stop. There's our three characters, um, individuals that we hear about. You know there were many more um, that were coming to greet uh, David as he came back to um, Jerusalem. Any thoughts, comments? All right, two weeks ago I wanted to, I talked to you or talked to you about the veer. A twist, a turn. Um, I want to twist or turn. Um, I want to talk about our return of the king. Because there is a writer by the name of N.T. Wright that Randall's not here, but Randall reads everything he's ever written, and they're huge, so just so you know. Well, others always read N.T. Wright. Well, I, I, read, I read the introduction. Um, He's got, a, he's got a view of the return of the king that almost parallels what we just heard about David. And so here's kind of the traditional view. I won't go through all the verses for time's sake, etc. but traditional view, um, Zechariah 14 talks about the prince, the Lord, returning. He steps on the mountain. The mountain splits. I mean, there's this great return of God. Um, in there. Revelation 20, 11, 21, same kind of description. There's a return. There's a new Jerusalem. There's, I mean, all of this going on in the second coming. And the tradition, kind of the traditional view of the second coming has been very heaven-centric, which means we'll all go to heaven. We'll get to be with God. There'll be a, a heaven-centered experience from that point on. Golden streets, the river running down through, um, supplying the nations. The, I mean, you've read the picture in the book of Revelation. So that's kind of what um, most of uh, I grew up with um, as kind of what meant for a second coming. And then in college, I learned about this thing called uh, premillennialism. And I heard the, learned the phrase, the rapture. The rapture added an element to it, and it comes mostly from 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, added an element to it that said that believers would escape the wrath. And so, um, I forget the series of the books that were written, but behind. left behind, thank you, um, so that the believers are um, swept up out of a period of wrath that will be unparalleled either before or later. 
And so there's this sense, and you saw all the bumper stickers, um, you can have my car, kind of if the, I've been raptured stuff. So, um, but the key to that is but that- you can't have it until. Well, no, yeah, you gotta wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 you, you gotta wait. But uh, you can have my car if I'm gone, um, kind of thought. And it, it, it reintroduced, actually, premillennialism reintroduced the thought that the new earth is going to be part of this. New Jerusalem comes down, there's a new earth, the water is actually supplying the nations, there's a battle to be done after a thousand years, there's a reintroduction. And N.T. Wright has a picture of what the second hour return of the king will be like. Um, that is David's return. And it is what 1 Thessalonians means is not that we will be swept out, but that we're going to greet the returning king and we come back with him. And so that there is a new heaven and a new earth and Jesus is coming back to rule. And our um, meet him in the air phrase in Thessalonians is, we're standing on the shore of the Jordan, bringing David back. We're saying, please don't remember what I said last time we saw each other. We're saying, I am, I've been mourning since you left. Can I just eat at your table? We're saying, you know, I'm an old man take care of my servants. We're saying those things. We're greeting him. We're bringing him back. Um, so I'm wondering if this isn't um, a picture of what our return of the king looks like. It puts a little different twist on it, a little different, a greeting twist as opposed to an escaping twist. So what do you think? And if you don't like it, we'll blame N.T. Wright. Yeah. This seems like a far reach. I mean, I can Does it? see some of the, the uh, consistencies, but it doesn't make Doesn't get you there. No. Yeah. But then, haven't read the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing mountaintops here. I'm kind of glancing across. So, uh, um, <coughs> actually, I think, bottom line, just like his first coming, I think we'll be surprised. I think we'll be surprised. We didn't, he, he wasn't what we thought when he got here the first time. So I think whatever it is, it's going to be great. I don't mean that. It's just, I think it'll be different. You know, I, I'm not sure we figured it out. Aren't the three people, though, unique in uh, Shimei? throwing rocks at him, kind of the, the non-believer, and then suddenly... Could be, yeah. This yeah, could be, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Barzilli, however you say that, uh -huh. supporting, doing everything he yeah. can. And then you've got Mephibosheth there in the middle that we don't really know. Yeah, where his heart was. Yeah, we yeah. don't really know. Yeah, yeah. It could be, yeah. It could be kind of like the, um, the sowing of the seed. we got three different... Uh, grounds, plots of ground here. Yeah, that could be. That could be. 
Oh, yes. He was. He was demoted. Now, he's about to come back, but um, he was demoted at the time for uh, not doing what the king wanted him to do. Evidently, no, knowingly not doing. I mean, I could see Joab knowing his character, but we know, thinking David doesn't know what's best. This guy's got to go. And so that's where they, the rub came. But yeah, I got a Joab, too, that I didn't add here. That. Um, needs to be on our list. Other thoughts? Okay. All right, so even though David's returned, and I'm now scooting down to uh, chapter 20. Um, another, if you want to stretch that even further. Oh, let's do. Congratulations. <laughs> Ooh. Was punished, but later You'll make a great Puritan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here's the one who killed the son, the king's son, um, who gets restored. Yeah. See what you can do with this? this is anyway, okay. All right, so David has returned, um, and he's still got... Um, Confusion, division, um, Judah and Israel are still fighting uh, at this point in time. Um, Judah is saying, well, he's our kin, he's our blood. Israel's saying, 12 tribes, 10 of them are ours. We have 10 parts of the king and you don't. I mean, so that's this kind of discussion that's um, going on. And they say, that's interesting, they say, um, and Judah was harsher in the fight. Um, as they debated all of this. And in the midst of it, um, Sheba arise, S-H-E-B-A, as another contender um, for the throne. So evidently there was enough confusion going on, enough a vacuum of leadership, enough chaos going on, that Sheba, the son of um, 20, verse 1, a Benjamite, blew the trumpet and said, We have nothing to do with David. Follow me. Every man to his tents. Off we go. Um, and so all the men of Israel withdrew from following David, and they followed Sheba. But the men of Judah remained steadfast to their king from the Jordan even to Jerusalem. So here we go again. We have another rebellion kind of a replay again of control of the of both Judah and Israel is now split again. And David set some priorities. Um, David said, I got to do several things now. So here's the, think this, he is mind. I mean, it's a, he's always got a strategy. He's got a plan. He's got steps. The first thing he did is he takes care of the concubines. Now, these are the women who got left behind. Um, remember Nathan's um, judgment of David on Bathsheba when he said, what you did in private will be done to you in public. These are the ladies. Um, they went through this because of his sin. 
and he felt the need, said, I've got to take care of them. And so he sets up a place for them, he provides for them, he puts a guard on them, and I think that was probably out of a protection um, to take care of them um, going forward um, after all they had been through. The second thing he did is he moved to reunite um, Judah. So he had to get them all on board, all part. He needed his own team now um, to reunite. And the third thing he's going to do is go after Sheba to put down the rebellion um, once again. Now this is where he appoints Amasa to be head of his army. Um, and this is in chapter 20, um, in verse 4, he says to Amasa, Call out the men of Judah for me within three days. I need you to do 72 hours. I need everybody here. We've got to act quickly. Now, if you go back last week, um, the conflicting uh, advice that Absalom got, one was move fast, one was let's gather an army and move slow. David has obviously remembered that and said, we're moving fast. We're going to catch him while they're off guard and off balance. So he tells Amasa, pull them all together, call them out, don't delay. But Amasa is slow, and he doesn't do what he's supposed to do. So David says to Abishai, now Ziba the son of, will do us more harm than even Absalom did. Take your Lord's servants, pursue him. This can't be a very big group. It's got to be a small group. So he says, go after him. So Joab's men went after them. And so I've got these groups racing to after Sheba. Um, uh, 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 men of fighters, I mean they're warriors, and they pursue him. Um, when they were at the large stone, which is in Gibeon, Amasa catches up with them. And Joab, now this is... Um, uh, well, let me read it to you, because I have a, a Frisbee interpretation. Um, so they're at the large stone of Gibeon. Joab is dressed in his military attire, and over it is a belt with a sword in it. And it says, Joab says to Amasa, is everything okay, my brother? Um, and his sword falls out. Now, if I were... Um, um, Amasa standing there, and I watched Joab's sword fall to the ground, I'd go, this is not a good sign. Um, I think something, and I made all this up, so bear with me. Um, I think he must have done something like a kneel before Amasa, so that sword is down on his left side, the right hand, which is typically the fighting hand, is free, he grabs him by the beard, and it surprises him. There's something about surprise here. He had let down his guard, and Joab kills him. And so I don't think dropping the sword was um, a mistake. It was something about, all right, I'm just going to put it down here on the ground. I'm going to grab it gradually, and out of a surprise, he brings it up, and he kills um, Amasa. Um, which seems to be a pattern of Joab's. And so then Joab... Be I missed the King James when he smote him in the fifth rib. <laughs> yeah. Tim and Abner both got smote in the fifth rib. The video's good, too, of that part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why don't we drop that fifth rib bit? I don't know, but uh, I think that meant and it was a, a fatal blow. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so here they've surrounded the town where Sheba is. They are going to um, besiege the town. They're going to choke the town. And this woman comes out. To, she says, let, let me read the description of the town. Um, then a wise woman, verse 16, calls from the city, listen to me, listen to me, Joab. Come here, I want to talk to you. So he approaches her. He says, are you Joab? And he, he says, I am. Listen to the words of your maidservant. He says, okay, I'm listening. And she says, formerly they used to say about this town, people come here for advice. No one can dispute that. This is a town of wisdom. Um, I am one of those who are peaceable and faithful in Israel, and you're trying to destroy this city a mother in Israel, why would you do such a thing to swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? Joab says, that is not my intent. You have misunderstood. There's a man named Sheba. That's who I want. And she says, hand him over. I'll go away. Everything will be good. And the woman says, I'll get you his head. So the woman takes the people of the town, explains what's going on, Sheba loses his head, and they throw it to Joab. And Joab goes home. And so one more revolt is put down. Um, so is the moral of the story that you need at least one wise woman around? You need one at all times. I think that is the moral of the story. <laughs> well, I got mine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so one more real quick story in here, the Gibeonites. Um, a famine occurs for three years. Uh, David, as he does, seeks the Lord's face to figure out what's going on. He learns that it's because of Saul slaughtering the Gibeonites. So David pulls together the Gibeonites and says, what can I do to make this right? And they say, you know, we don't want money. We don't want any of those things. Um, but we want, the, we want seven of Saul's sons. And we're going to kill them, and we're going to leave them out exposed, which is a shameful way of, of dying. And then there's um, Rizpah, the mother of two of these seven, um, who um, mourns for them, won't let the birds pick at them, um, David learns of that and says, you know, this family deserves a proper burial. That's all I know to say. And he not only gets the seven, he gets the bones of Saul and Jonathan, and they do a proper burial site um, so that it's not done in disgrace. It's not done. It's, it's a memorial for the family um, that comes about as a result of this. All right, my time has finished. I've missed my heroes, but um, we can catch that next week. All right, quick prayer. Lord God Almighty, open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to you that as we hear your word, it will touch our heart and we will follow you in all parts of life. And we pray through Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Next week's our last week, so come in. It's going to be a great finale. There'll be some surprises. <laughs>
Firework. Firework. <laughs> <laughs>